Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. So just so I understand, it's designed to be in one shirt, right? You, you don't kind of move it around from shirt to shirt, but you get one for each shirt that you have. Right. Yeah. So we sell packs of 5, 10, 20, or 50. So direct to consumer, those are the options. Otherwise, we actually work with about 600 dry cleaners in the U.S. So we have this amazing map where you can just hop on and see if there's somebody nearby that already does the installation. They stock them. So you can just walk right in and test it out, try it in one shirt first. But yeah, it's it's one per shirt. And like I said, I tried everything to make it removable, make it able to be moved around. But actually, somebody patented a removable placket stay in 1888. So you can't repatent something that was already done. So for me to get a patent, I had to do something different. Mine is permanently installed. And actually, when it comes down to the installation itself, there isn't an easier way to attach it to the shirt that would be less expensive than what we've come up with for the sheer fact of how shirts are designed. I mean, like if you put in a buttonhole that you could slide it in and out of, it would be so much more labor intensive to do per shirt. You'd have to do that to all your shirts where you could just open this up, slide this in. So these cost a couple bucks. And once they're in, like I said, they last for the whole shirt. So you buy them from us for a couple bucks, you go to the dry cleaner, it's about 10 bucks to get installed. So for 10 to $15, depending on where you go, that one shirt will always look amazing. And you know, we've done, I've done them in H&M shirts that I get for $12 and make them look like a million bucks or actually taught myself how to sew during this process. And I've got a couple of celebrities out here that I hooked up with and I personally do their shirts. So I'm doing three, four, five, six hundred $600 shirts that I'm putting this in. So people are like, Oh, you just get a quality shirt. It's, it's not about quality. The shirt was never designed to be worn without a tie. And so there's no structure in this part of the shirt. So I've just one that came up with a structure for it. Very interesting. Um, and I have to ask before we move on, did you actually use the cardboard on your wedding to give you, or, or was that just a sort of momentary? That was after. So it was the wedding photos was the inspiration. And as soon as we got home from Jamaica, I cut open a shirt, slid the piece of cardboard in, and it was this really thin stuff and it worked out perfect. And it just got the concept across to my wife. So she allowed me then to spend all the rest of our money investing in this and, and uh, getting this launched. Awesome. I want to get into that launch, but but before that, you mentioned um, patents, which is a topic that I haven't covered so much on the podcast, and I'm sure people would like to learn about, you know, what, how, how does one become an inventor? What's it like to kind of patent a product? It's expensive. Very, very, very expensive. Once you engage a patent attorney, uh, just plan on writing one to $3,000 checks on a regular basis. So the first step is to do a patent search. So you can Google all you want, but there's a lot of stuff that could be hidden. So the the attorneys have a way to do a patent search. That's anywhere from like $1,500 to $2,500 or $3,000. And that's just a good way to say, hey, I'm I'm into this and I should move forward or somebody's already got exactly what I'm trying to do and I, I need to just bump the brakes. And we're well over six figures into our patent now. And that is, uh, it's a worldwide coverage. So, you know, that gets a little bit more expensive, but Basically, the process is you say, here's my idea, and you write it as big as possible and as general as possible, and the patent office just keeps saying no until it's defined enough that you're protected, but not so broad that you're basically blocking anybody else from ever entering the market. So 
it's this weird game of your attorney trying to get as much through and them wanting as little as possible to get passed. So every time it goes back and forth, it's a couple thousand bucks and it's six to eight, six weeks to six months before we get a response. So Wow, I had no idea um, that it, it, it was that expensive. I actually have a patent, uh, <laughs> just, but I didn't go through that process uh, because I worked uh, for the government at one point and they did it on my behalf. Um, so I, I have one, but I don't actually know what it's like to, to go and get one. And I appreciate now how much money they spent on, on my behalf. I was a summer intern in high school. So anyway, that's quite fascinating. Do you feel that the patent does the job of protecting against uh, any sort of copyright infringement? I'm not sure what you would call it, but is it the idea that you would be able to enforce anything if something came up or it really does deter people? I mean, have you had any issues basically with people stealing your product? No issues quite yet, but what I did learn in the process that it, it actually is another revenue stream for your business. So people that do in, infringe or potentially infringe it is a way to actually generate revenue for the company. So if it's a strong enough patent and your product is good enough, it certainly can be a benefit. Uh, we've got somebody, a major, major, major player that is is borderline. But to me, what that shows is what we've done and what we're trying to do is on the radar of, radar of the biggest guys on the planet. So what we're doing is on the right track. And our finish, our process is much better than what theirs looks like. So yeah, I don't take it, take it where we're at. <laughs> Very interesting. And so, I mean, just to be clear, when you say it's like a potential revenue generator, I, I think you mean like if somebody infringes, you can sue them and, and make money, right? <laughs> well, like I said, I've spent over six figures on protecting my idea. So if somebody just walks in and tries to steal it and use it, uh, they can't do that. Yeah. Totally fair. But again, just, yeah, did, didn't really know that. So let's talk about marketing. You mentioned launching the product. I'm sure, you know, uh, beyond, uh, you know, just yourself and your network, you had to kind of get it out there. What were some of the things you did? So when we launched Million Dollar Collar originally, it was definitely talking to friends. I did a lot of feedback in that two and a half to three years of developing the material, developing the, the design. So originally we were going to make our own shirt and that actually changed. We did a Kickstarter. We didn't get funded and people unequivocally said, you know, why are you trying to compete with all the brands and why can't I upgrade the shirts I already own? So we had designed a shirt, we had a manufacturer, we had everything ready to go and we stopped and we pivoted and we changed the design to what it is today so that it fits into any shirt. It's a universal design and you know, I think guys are a little bit finicky when it comes to shirts. I mean, I'm 6'2", 210 pounds. I have long arms. I have big arms. And so finding a shirt that fits isn't that easy. So once I do, I just know I can go to this brand and get a shirt online. I don't have to go into the store if they got a new color. So we thought, well, if there's a lot of guys like that, why try to sell them something new? And so the you know what we call our aftermarket million-dollar collar can easily be installed into any shirt. We've been talking to every major brand since that we got the patent. And those guys are like the Titanic. They're really slow to turn. They're really slow to change. There's a multiple layers to get through. And so after years and years and years of trying to get through to these guys, we said, you know what, let's just make our own shirt again. Now that we've sold a quarter of a million units, a million dollar collar, we know that people want this. And you know, overcoming that challenge of having it installed into a shirt, it's just such a different foreign idea for most people, especially in the U.S. I mean, outside the U.S., tailoring and alterations is, not, is a huge thing. Here, it's just not that big of a, a thing for, for American men. So 
Uh, we decided to do our own shirt. And again, we reached out to friends and family and previous customers. And those first 200 shirts were gone in less than three days. So it was pretty amazing. That's interesting. And so, um, again, just to touch on a point here, you mentioned going out to brands after you got the patent. I assume that's because you didn't want to introduce them to the product until you had protection, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. As soon as we got the patent, actually, during this process, my wife and I sold everything we had and moved from Milwaukee to Los Angeles. And on our 10-day cross-country move, the patent attorney called and said, hey, your patent was approved. So we were like, okay, this is, you know, we're making the right move here. It was kind of cool to get that. So yeah, we started talking about licensing the technology to those guys, getting it to them, but they're really far behind the times. And actually, you know, one of the major brands came out with a stretch collar. So you've got nobody wearing ties. I mean, less than 10% of shirts are worn regularly with a tie. And these guys decide it's time to come out with a stretch collar. I mean, who cares if you're not wearing a tie? My collar doesn't need to stretch. So that's how slow, you know, I think they are in, in this process. Interesting. So I guess if I understand correctly, you, you the original idea was a full-on collared shirt with everything built in. Then you pivoted to the product, but now you're kind of back again with the original, with GoTylus, which is kind of the original idea in a sense, right? Yeah, we decided that, you know, we'd sold quarter of a million units, a million dollar collar to people in 113, 114 countries around the world. So we were getting mass appeal. People really want it. And so we said, well, we know we're still missing a section of the market. And if these big brands aren't going to jump on and try to add this to their shirts, then let's just make a shirt and prove that we can build a brand around the technology. And so we launched uh, GoTylus. Uh, the shirts were, after that first run, it was kind of like a beta test, like, tell me what you like, what you don't like. We'll make a better round. We got those shirts right after Christmas and uh, launched basically in about February was when we started doing Facebook ads. And so we've sold through 75% of our inventory during COVID, during all of this, during the slow time. So we definitely know we're onto something. And the struggle now has just been getting shirts back in stock. We're out of like 12 sizes right now because everybody's making masks. Everybody's making PPE and all that stuff. And so trying to fit in to production runs has been a challenge. So let's yeah, talk a little more about that. I guess, obviously, COVID was everything that's going on. It sounds like uh, you've got you know your pulse on manufacturing. So a lot of them have shifted gears to making masks, which means that you know, more regular products, so to speak, they're not a priority. So what has been, you know, what have you guys been able to kind of do about that, if anything? So the first negotiation was to get fabric, which I finally was able to get some fabric. So we're going to remake our original shirt in the updated version. So it was a, a white shirt with a light gray trim. So I got the fabric and then it was, we tweaked the design of the shirt a little bit. So it was getting prototypes made and pre-production samples. I've put on thousands of miles just here in Los Angeles, going back and forth to the different vendors that we have, making sure we have buttons and labels and sourcing all those. I mean, you think about a dress shirt, you just throw it on and you don't realize the 57 things that go into the shirt from the button to the label, to the care label, to the interfacing that's in between the layers to help give it a little bit of structure. And I mean, all these things. And so it's been months and months of trying to get it uh, all secured. Awesome. And well, I mean, not awesome necessarily. It sounds very difficult actually, but, uh, but at least that the progress is being made. It sounds like you found uh, a manufacturer. I think you had mentioned um, Turkey when, when we last spoke. Uh, tell us about that experience, that partner. So we wanted to keep the early production here in Los Angeles so that I could oversee and make on the fly tweaks and adjustments 
but it's insanely expensive. I mean, we are selling a $99 shirt and literally not making any money because it is so expensive to make it here. Shipping uh, is included because Amazon has made people believe that free shipping is what everything should be. So we've been looking to outsource to other countries and other areas where we can get a much more competitive price on the shirts and found a, a great place in Turkey. And of course, it all happened right before COVID and that slowed down that process. But we just literally found out yesterday that the counter samples that they made were approved by our pattern maker. And so we'll be placing an order in the next week for five new colors. And then we are restocking current the current colors we have here and adding the white shirt. So by the end of July-ish, we should have nine colors in stock when we only have three right now. So. Great. Okay. I'm sure you're, yeah, you're looking forward to that. You're kind of running two businesses in a sense, right? I mean, they have a similar target market, but uh, they are very fundamentally different products. Uh, how do you manage that? You know, I try to schedule out my day into these 30-minute blocks and just try to stay focused on, all right, I need to do this and this and this and this. But there's definitely a lot of crossover between the two. And somebody who doesn't want to spend 99 bucks on a shirt just to see what we're doing, we have million-dollar collar. And people who don't want to go through the installation process, we have GoTylus. We also have a wholesale account with the largest distributor of dress shirts in America. So we have Tommy Hilfiger shirts and uh, Kenneth Cole, Calvin Klein, Van Heusen. So we have a really great selection of shirts that we've bought. We've installed Million Dollar Collar and sell at the exact same price. So it's basically no extra charge to have Million Dollar Collar in those shirts. So we have options from $45 to $99 on milliondollarcollar.com. So we're just trying to find all the different ways to make it accessible to people. The biggest one is dry cleaners. The smallest dry cleaner in the U.S. processes 200 dress shirts a day, or at least they did in, in normal times. And I mean, there's no store that does that. There's no, nobody's pushing that kind of product. So, and that's a small dry cleaner. Big dry cleaners are doing three, four, five thousand shirts a day. So if you care enough about the way that you look, that you're dry cleaning your clothes, you're probably going to like our product. So that's why we're in 600 different dry cleaners so far in the U.S. I had no idea uh, dry cleaners were processing that number of shirts. Uh, definitely <laughs> first things into preparation. Unbelievable to be in some of these machines. We've been to dry cleaning trade shows for the last five years, which is really super exciting. But some of the machines are amazing. They can automatically fold sheets and automatically do all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess when I do go to the dry cleaners, I see uh, there's just like a thousand of shirts uh, just in, you know, in the depth of, of the store. And this is kind of like a local a local place. With COVID kind of going on, which we talked about earlier, uh, you know, less people might be going into the office. College shirts, very versatile shirt, like you mentioned, but are you seeing any sort of uptick, downtick in terms of demand just kind of with everything going on? We've literally pretty much sold out of almost all of our stock of Go Tylus. And our upgraded shirts are selling really well too. I think what we're finding, as you can see right here, is pants don't really matter. I mean, you can't see below my uh, waist. So, you know, spend the money on a good shirt or upgrade the shirts you already have and look amazing on camera. And when you got to wear pants again, then, you know, go grab a couple pairs of pants. But right now, like I said, we've sold out of most of our stuff. We got named uh, by Forbes as the best dress shirt for dad for Father's Day. So that put a huge dent in our inventory as well. So, it was a real great blessing, but we, you know, we weren't able to get some of the other colors in stock beforehand. So we've just been in this pretty amazing spot, uh, launching this brand and you know, offering up something new, something actually different in a dress shirt. I mean, stretch fabric, everybody can do a shorter shirt, everybody can do, but million dollar collar is is super unique. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's super cool. I guess uh, like like you mentioned uh, the, regarding pants, the guy who does a million dollar belt is probably struggling right now. Uh, but it's good to hear things are going well. What's next for the company? We just want to keep expanding the colors for Go Tylus. We want to get into some different size cuts. We basically have a slim and a standard cut. We want to get into talls and keep expanding that, making sure that it's available to everybody. Um, working on some really cool partnerships. And I have another little super, super cool way to do to work with Go Tylus that um, we're just finalizing the details on, but it's going to be an industry game changer. So my whole thing is, is that really most people don't wear ties anymore. You want to look good, whether it's a casual shirt, an untucked shirt, uh, whatever it is, this crumbling and it just drives me crazy. Some people like it. Some people think it's cool. I, I hate it. If you hate it through, you're going to love it. Million Dollar Collar does. And, um, you know, just get in as many shirts as possible. A billion shirts were sold in the U.S. last year. So we've got a long way to go. But yeah, big market. Awesome. Rob, people want to hear more from you. Where should they go? Uh, find your brands, learn more about you. So we have all the social medias for Million Dollar Collar and Go Tylus. We're probably the most active on Instagram for the two. And then the websites are the same address, milliondollarcollar.com or gotylus.com. You know, if anybody wants to reach out to me about patent process or any of that stuff, I'm at Rob at, go, at, Rob at milliondollarcollar.com. Cool. Thanks so much, Rob, for being on the show, sharing your insight. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.